This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roar, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Yep, it's here, Brock. Finally, after the day off yesterday. I know we all needed it, but the anticipation... Of the anxiety to come. Oh, my gosh. Got a pit in my stomach. I thought you were Mr. Zen yesterday. I was trying to be, but come on. What do you think? I think I succeeded. I was trying to be Zen. I was trying to keep everybody quiet. You didn't hear how he started the show yesterday. I know. I started off kind of playing Do you need that music again? No, I don't need it. No, I don't want to be that. No, not that Zen. But, I mean, look, it's going to be incredibly stressful. It's going to be anxiety-provoking. If you have one of those, uh, you know, whether a, a fidget spinner or whatever, like, now's the time to take it out. Like, get ready because this next 10 days is going to be insane. And I will admit that I... I know everybody hates the hates the the Astros and that that is the rivalry. They cheated. They're the team that you were trying to get past. Well, I mean, if the big call this offseason was to close the gap between you and the Astros, you did that. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll see what ends up happening, whether you end up finishing ahead or, or behind them. But with 10 games to play, you're tied in the loss column. I mean, you have essentially closed the gap with the Astros. I hate the freaking Rangers, man. I, I can't stand this Rangers team. I do like Adolis Garcia. I will, I will admit it. But after that, like, I hate Simeon for spurning the Mariners and deciding he didn't even want to come here or think about it and just wanted to go somewhere else. I can't stand Corey Seager. I, I, don't, I don't like the Rangers at all. I don't mm-hmm. like their mediocre old pitching staff. I don't like that they tried to just buy as much as they could in one or two years and just get good, which generally isn't supposed to work in sports. Like, I don't want them to succeed. I don't like them. I think you made that very clear. I think I have. And uh, yeah, I and you I, certainly <clears throat> have not liked all the hype they've gotten. I didn't. I didn't like it at the beginning of the oh, year. No. And no. I don't like that. Again, they have played worse over the last two months than the Mariners did in the first three months. Like that, that is a, a fact. That's how bad they've been as good as they were right off the bat. They have not been good at all. For the last few months. Now, they've picked it up a little bit in the last week or two. So it's possible that they have found their footing. But I'm really trying hard not to use the first couple series between the Mariners and Rangers as in any way indicative of what to expect in these last seven games. Because both teams are nothing like the teams they were when they met last. Correct. Correct. Texas is finally gotten somewhat healthy offensively. Young is back off of his broken wrist. Now, most of their offensive guys, I think Seager missed one series with the Mariners, and then he was back for the second Mm -hmm. one. But most of their offensive guys were there. Haim just doing damage every time. People are on base, and Garcia is a tough out. Simeon's a monster to deal with. So offensively, I mean, let's just face it. Offensively, they're a better team than you, period, in store. And in their building especially. Yep, 100%. I mean, if this is if this were a battle with a with a with just a pitching coach out there or a pitching machine. <laughs> you get slaughtered. You, you you don't win. Yeah. You don't win. They got a really good lineup. Yep. So, But it's not. Know, say that again? But it's not. It's but not it, that. I mean, it, it, there is more to this game oh, than just right. an offense. Yes, there is. There's called and this is pitching. supposed to be the time of year where mm-hmm. offense takes a back seat to everything else, right? Yep. Yes. 
And sometimes that's weather-related, right, especially with outdoor stadiums as you get in October and certainly as you push all the way through October and November. I think there's a little bit of an advantage for those pitchers when it comes to playoff baseball. But, yeah, this is this is usually the time. And and I think back to so many conversations, Salk, that we have had with so many different people, with Jerry, with passing every single week. And you just, yeah, you talk about this time and you get to this level and it's a four-horse race and three of them are going to make it. And it's usually the team that's going to pitch and be able to throw strikes, and then it's the team that can hit strikes. Well, you are you are the team that should be able to pitch better than any of the others. I think that's one of the reasons Chris Rose was all over the Mariners here in the AOS. Back when they got swept by the Rangers in early June, the Mariners were outscored 30-9 to in that series. Oof. They are going to go into Texas this weekend. They're going to win that series. They are going to take care of business against the Houston Astros, whom they just swept recently, and then they're going to finish it off at home in front of one of the great baseball crowds in our nation. Up there in Seattle, the place is going to rock just like the first round of the home run derby when Julio is hitting bombs to every part of the stadium. Lift their first AO West crown in decades, and they are going to say, we are on our way to the playoffs. Back when they got swept. That's a lot. Wow. I think he's really what, on it. What was that? That's Chris Rose. Yeah. Chris Rose. He's very excited. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's very, very pumped up about what the Mariners are capable of. But, <laughs> yes. hey, I'll take it. I mean, you know, I guess that's just as valuable as, you know, their percent percentage chances. You'll that... take anything in Hell Week, Salk. Well, I guess I was thinking this. So... You're going to come back to your bunk after getting screamed at and yelled at and rolling in the sand and swimming right. in the ocean and dealing with sharks <laughs> and everything else. That might be You preferable. want Chris Rose on your side. I mean, you do want I, though? Like, I, I guess, like, when I read that, okay, the, the Rangers have a 60-40 chance of winning the series or whatever those stupid odds say. Uh-huh. Like, would you feel better if it said the Mariners had a 60% chance of winning? No. I think I might feel worse about it. Like, print those odds and stick them up in the Mariners' visitors' clubhouse and go look at them and let Texas look at them and let them get, you know, full of themselves and too big for their britches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, look, you're going to have to win at least six games. We all know it. Brock, you've said it. I've said it. John Morosi was on yesterday with Wyman and Bob. He said it. Six feels right to me. That, that feels like that's that's the magic number. And, and, again, it goes back. We talked a week ago. You asked me the question, if they get to 90, are they in? Well, Last I checked, and I always, I never want to do math on the air, but 84 See? plus 6 does get you to 90. That's right. He's, oh. uh, he's correct on that. That's some very good math. Uh, Justin threw this stat at us, Brock. So I'll, I'll read it to you. Mm-hmm. It says, we know the Rangers can score a lot of runs. Obviously, they were fourth in run differential this year. But they made history, did you know this, with their blowout over Boston on Wednesday. It was their 11th win of the season of 10 or more runs. The most in a season in franchise history, the most in a season by any team in baseball since the 1953 Brooklyn Dodgers. So they may blow you out in one of these seven games that you play them. That may happen. And if it does, you're going to have to use it to your best advantage. Let them hit themselves out. Use the back end, you know, the 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 non leverage parts of your bullpen. Mm-hmm. Come back the next day and win three to two. Have the Mariners had a win of ten plus runs? The Orioles year? did to us. Yeah, they've had them. Are you sure? I think so. Justin, yeah, I remember they can, beat can up on check, Detroit. Like they've had you, a couple. Can of you big check wins the quick like game that. log because basically what you're telling me is they've had eleven nights where they could just relax. Yep, they have. But what do you do the next They're night? fans, their players, like, oh, yeah, this is a blowout city, man. 11 different times where it's been such a bloodbath. Yep. 
that we can actually they beat the enjoy. Royals fifteen to two August twenty sixth. Yeah, okay. I think they also beat Baltimore thirteen one. Yeah, so they've had a couple of games okay. like that. It's not uh-huh. ten, obviously, or eleven. But what do you do the next night? And they may lose one of these games to Texas and get absolutely get their doors blown off, especially in Texas this weekend. It is possible that could happen. Mm-hmm. You got to win the series. You got to win the other two games. Yep. That's just that's the reality of it. And guess what? If they outscore you in one and you win the other two by, you know, by a run apiece and they outscore you for the series by nine runs, but you yep. win two out of three, yep. you've done your job, man. You get to walk out of there head held high, come home and take care of, as he said, take care of business against Houston and then let it all come down to those final four. Who so. knew? Who knew? One hundred and fifty two games ago that Chris Rose would be our guy. <laughs> yeah, who knew? We got some texts that they don't want that to be our guy. You don't want Chris Rose? You talked about the script writer Salt. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't write a better script. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have who would have thought 152 games ago that Chris Rose would have been our inspiration? Okay. I'd also like to read this parade. to you. Yeah. Uh, it's from the seven two oh, so Colorado. Uh, love this time of year. Fall is approaching. It's getting cooler. And spiteful sulk is in full swing. Uh, yeah, I do get oh, sort yes. of spiteful. Yep, oh, that's yes, absolutely true. There's no one more spiteful than me. <laughs> there's, if there's one thing that will never, like I, Brock, as I said, I don't get as angry about things as I used to, but spite, oh, it's never going out of style. I can promise you that. <laughs> We've got some needs and wants coming up here at 7.30. Uh, Shannon's going to join us a little bit later at 8.30. We've got to talk through what the Mariners should do at first base moving forward. So there's a lot coming up today. It is your only home for the AL West race, Seattle Sports. And the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it's really the only way this crazy season could end, right, Brock? With one of the most bizarre sprints to the finish the game of baseball has seen in all of its many, many, many years. Mariners, Rangers, Astros. And even Blue Jays, all tied in the loss column with 68 apiece. Three of them are going on. One of them is going home. And the Mariners are in a unique spot because not only do they have to play the same number of games, but they're the only one who controls their own destiny. I think it's all about what you do. And then right now we are, you know, in a weird way, we're all, you know, within gummed up and within a half game of one another. And we are the, the unique one in that we control all of that because of who we're playing. And, and that's, you know, parts gift and, and part, you know, a little bit scary that, that you're going in and, and every one of these games matters that much to the, to the final outcome. But, you know, it's, it's great to be in the driver's seat in that way. You've said this a few different times. Those series earlier in the year against the Ranger Salt <clears throat> don't really play a role. Right. This isn't like, oh, gosh, remember what they did to us two months ago, because it's a whole new season. It's a whole new playoffs right now. Just straight matchup, straight matchup. You like this matchup with the Rangers? I like, like? Their, I like the idea of getting into their bullpen. Yes. Yeah, that's what I like about it. Yeah. Yeah. I like this matchup better this time of year than I did in June, July, August. Correct. Because this is when the bullpens are going to show up even bigger. This is where the pitchers lock in. This is where offense tends to get suppressed. And so, yeah, I didn't love this matchup then. I like it a lot more now. And you have said over the last, uh, I don't know, month or so, and and the numbers bear this out, this has been a tired, I think Jerry used the word pooped, 
uh, baseball team at times. Well, I think over the last 10 days to yep. get ready for these final 10 days, you've done all you could. You're starting pitching and George and, and Castillo and guys have been pretty darn good to give you Brian Wu, giving you some of those innings so that you can refill. I always like to call it the Mike Tyson meter, mm-hmm. right? Like that little just fatigue meter. When you knock somebody out, you have enough energy to come back. You're like, hey, trying to get, yeah, trying to get back to full strength. Nobody's at full strength, but I'll tell you what, Mooney and Brash and the guys at the back end of the bullpen, I don't think you could set it up better for this 10-day home stretch for those guys to at least have as much energy as they've had in the last month and a half or so. Well, Blue Jays did finally lose yesterday. That's why uh, they fell back into that tie. The Yankees actually won a game. Thanks, New York. Toronto heads to Tampa. They're going to have to play the Rays five times, and the Rays have just two games uh, just two games behind Baltimore, so it's not like they have quit, so that hopefully they can knock Toronto out a little bit. Houston uh, is going to go and battle those pesky Royals, so hopefully they can continue to be pesky for a few games against the Astros. Here's the second thing you need to know. Now that injury report just keeps getting worse for the Seahawks. It's crazy. Every time you look up, there's more guys on it. Yesterday it was nine. Now it's at 11 players who missed practice entirely. The latest being Quandre Diggs and Phil Haynes, who joined the crew on the sidelines. Jamal Adams went from full participant to only partial, so it's hard to imagine he's going to go this week. It's uh, not yeah. not great. Yeah, you play that game of operation that we all love so much that Mora was... Do you, do you know this? She was a world champion. She didn't even need to use the little... Um, tweezers. Tweezers. She just used her own long fingers and just stuck it in there, got the funny bone, and got all the rest of the stuff. Man, she was dominant that game. <laughs> and if you look at this injury report, like that 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 body in the game operation, you just you got just about everything. I mean, you got groins, you got hamstrings, we got ribs, we got shoulders, and we have just about every position group save. Well, if you throw Kenny McIntosh's knee, yeah, I, I think just about every position group save for quarterback is on that report. 11 starters. Man, I hope a few of those guys can certainly get a little bit of work in on this Friday before the home game Sunday. All that said, I mean, they were pretty beat up in Detroit, and yet they played awfully well. Geno Smith is really excited about how the offense looks right now. Really, really happy with the guys, the way those guys performed. I thought, um, you know, they, they did a phenomenal job. Uh, looking back at the tape, I feel like uh, when, you, when you watch the film, you see all 11 guys, you know, playing connected, really just executing the game plan. And, uh, you know, I think... When you have uh, as much depth as we have and you got a bunch of guys who are capable, you see guys stepping up and making plays. And so I was really happy for those guys. Um, you know, I, I, I had a great feeling about it, and it was just good to see it happen on Sunday. You know what, I'll tell you, something that Ian Eagle said yesterday jumps out there, just how much more comfortable Gino yes. is in his skin. And when he yes. says something, he really sounds like he means it. I yep. think you hear it there. He really does sound very comfortable with, with, yep. ha- with talking about that I stuff. I really like that word, connected. Yeah. Uh, you know, it means a whole lot of different things. Obviously, communication. We had that whole debate about the defense last year and everything else. But yeah, when you got a connected team, when you got a connected group, when you got a connected lineup, a connected bullpen, uh, typically results follow. And let's hope it does at home on Sunday. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, the Niners look really good. The Giants don't. So it made uh, last night kind of a dud of a game. But can we just spend a moment on Debo Samuel. There are some times where I watch him as a wide receiver where I think he's going to create a beast quake. Like he he's got a little Marshawn in him. It's absolutely I'm not saying that he's Marshawn different, but man, there are times when he's running Brock. He's got that same gyro ball. I have no idea what direction he's going to go next. And it just knocks people over. How many times are you sitting there, especially if it's your team you're rooting for? You're like, can you tackle the guy? Right. Can someone please? Can you tackle? I mean, can you tackle him? Brock. 
I've been wrong about many, 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 many things in my life, especially when it comes to trying to figure out what somebody's going to do down the road. The first day I laid eyes on Debo Samuel, I said, that guy's awesome. I was all in day one as a rookie, and that has been proven to be true. Uh, Should be a fun weekend in the NFL, maybe an even better college weekend. Huskies start Pac-12 play with Cal. Not exactly a pushover, at least with the history between the two teams. And then Washington State with a huge game, one of the best games of the week, right, against Oregon State? Yeah, three-point underdogs are the Cougs. Oregon State, DJ Uyunglele, undefeated Oregon State, undefeated Washington State. This is, I don't know, it just rings to me Cam Ward, their quarterback, who has put up prolific numbers to start this season, and he's just not talked about. Everybody else is in the conference. Shadour's talked about, Penix talked about, Bo's talked about, Caleb's talked about. Just, you know, Dante Moore, this true freshman you know, stud down at UCLA, has talked about. Nobody is talking about what Cam Ward has done. This feels like a game where if he can find a way to win it and outplay DJ, uh, you're going to start talking about Cam Ward on that list as well. All right, good stuff. That is everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. By the way, it was nice to see Andre Burakovsky out for the Kraken yesterday. I know we don't have a, a ton of space in today's show for the Kraken, just kind of given it's a football Friday, right, which is brought to you by Snoqualmie Casino Sportsbook, and given where the Mariners are at here, kind of heading into these final 10 games and the big push, but uh, nice to see uh, Burkowski back out there uh, at practice yesterday for the Kraken. All right, Brock, before we do Blue 88 and you pay off your tees from like, you know, two and a half hours ago, <laughs> I thought I would, since you love, since people love, not just you, since people love to sort of equate football and baseball, I thought I would bring one of our favorite Seahawks bits oh. to baseball, to these final 10 games of this Mariner season. What do you want to see? And what do you need to see from the Mariners in the final 10 games? It was an interesting exercise to go through last night. And as I did, I realized quite a bit about how I feel about this Mariner team. So that's coming up next on your home for the Mariner playoff hunt. It is Seattle sports and the Seattle sports app. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle sports and the Seattle sports app. Doing a little early today, huh? A little fellow Friday. Not wait until 9.30 when the calls come. It's time for a little fella Friday, a little fella cootie, Brock. You don't usually get to hear this. What do you think? Kind of put you in the right mood yeah. for Friday? Yeah, who's the guy that doesn't like me? I mean, <laughs> listen. Uh, doo-wop Dave. Doo-wop Dave. Yeah. Dave. I hear that sound, and I hear doo-wop Dave. Really? This well, this has... Close. What? Well, just because he's the caller that really doesn't like me. Oh, not the it has callers. The same uh, I was no, going to no, say, no, that no, music no, is very okay. not, not doo-wop. But... No, it's not. No. Right. No, it's not. It's like an African jazz. Like. No, Mike. Okay. No, that's not. All right. Well, I, given some of your <laughs> musical uh, knowledge, I don't know that I made like the worst supposition there of all time. <laughs> all right. Uh, Blue 88 coming up here in 15. So we'll get back to a little bit of football. And then Shannon Dreyer is going to be in at 830. Before we do it, though, Brock, a football game we're going to apply to these last 10 baseball games. And that are that is the wants and needs for the last 10 games of this season, okay? I've got yes. some. I don't know that you have any, but I definitely have a few. So I, we can go through them and talk about it a little bit. So number one, I would like to see, I want to see them snag a few extra bases. I'd like to see them play aggressive, steal a base or two, use that bench, the scat backs, et cetera, take advantage of a wild pitch or a, or a pass ball, go first to third on a ball to right. I'd like to see the Mariners absolutely snag a few extra bases against both the Rangers and the Astros in order to score an extra couple runs. Yep. But I need to see them not allow the other way. 
I need to see them not make extra outs on the bases that they don't need to. I need to see them play clean. Yes. So not at the cost, not at the cost of giving up outs because this team in this margin, like we've talked about offensively between these two foes, they've got some significant firepower in their own building. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be able, like you said, to step on the accelerator when it's there, (laughs) but you've got to have just balanced reason to understand. I can't, I just cannot give up outs. Yeah. And with Maldonado catching for Houston, that's going to be tough. I mean, he, he's one of the better catchers in the league. I guess I haven't looked at his numbers this year, but certainly reputationally over the last, I'm not even focused on that. Let's focus on the Rangers, please. Let's focus on Jonah Heim. Right. Let's not even get to candy Maldonado. Please focus. Just focus on these Rangers first. Yes. Just focus on the ones in front of us first. But Just play clean. Right. Just don't make the extra outs. I don't even mind you occasionally getting caught stealing. If it's an aggressive attempt and you've got, that's okay. It's not the end of the world to get caught stealing in the right spot. It's the dumb outs that they've made on the bases where, you know, the ball's hit in front of you and you're running second to third and you get thrown out at third. Like those are the ones that drive me crazy. Yes. Can't have that. Nope. By the way, maybe this is just because, you know, prisoner of the moment. We only watch the Mariners every game. Have you ever seen a team? Over the last, and I don't just mean this year, like over the last decade, with a man on third and less than two outs, hit the ball hard on the ground directly to an infielder more than the Mariners. Contact play? It's not even just contact. It's like sometimes no, it's, it's like a man play. on third Asperger and there's race. nothing you can even do. Yeah, just ask Like race. this happened to them in the Oakland series. They ended up scoring a few runs after it. I forget yes. who was on third. It might have been Caballero. Haggerty, Haggerty was on it third. It was Haggerty. He stole second, got to third. Got to third. Run. And yep. it wasn't even the contact play. It's just that there, he can't even make it back to the bag because it's hit yeah. directly at the third baseman. Yep. It's unbelievable how many times it happens to them. Anyway, all right. That's, uh, that's one. Number two. I would really like to see the medium leverage guys. I'm talking Sacedo, Campbell, and Thornton pitch well. Mm-hmm. I think that gives you – they're going to need to pitch. They're going to be out there. There's going to be days where you've got to use them in order to get through this 10-game gauntlet. So I'd really like to see them pitch well. But I need to see the high leverage guys lock it down. And right now, I'm going to include Spire on that list because he's going to have to be a high leverage guy to get a few of those lefties out late in games. So I've got to see the high leverage guys. I've got to see Munoz throwing 101, not 98. I've got to see Munoz with control of all three pitches, the sinker, the four seamer, and yes, Mm -hmm. the slider. Mm -hmm. I've got to see Matt Brash missing bats, and I've got to see Justin Topa getting ground balls to get out of innings. I've got to see all four guys lock it down late. You know what I think is imperative with all four of those guys in those moments is the same philosophy that's been imperative and just um, bred into them from day one. Throw throw strike one. Mm -hmm. Throw strike one. Against this lineup, against these guys, throw strike one. Do not fall behind. I I remember that earlier series there. We're just getting bashed, whatever it was, 30 to 9. And I I just remember vividly some of those like, hey, man, you got to throw strike one. You have got to gain control of that at bat. Right, it's the same thing you just said. You got to have command, but in particular, just get ahead so you can use your filth. If you're playing from behind and it's one zero, it's two one, you're playing into their hands. And you know what? If you give up a solo home run, the world's not going to end. Nope, that shouldn't beat you. I would rather give up a solo home run than a walk. Absolutely, like you just can't give up walks and then a hit, and then you get a little dinky hit. Now all of a sudden, you got a couple men on, and somebody hits a home run, and now that's the ball game. You just you gotta you gotta throw strikes, especially in the bullpen. So that's uh, that's the second one for me. Number three, I want to see them take advantage of early mistakes. 
find ways to get on the board early and force the other team to play from behind. But what you really need to do is deliver late with men on base against these bullpens that aren't that good. Correct. Correct. You know, Pete didn't go as far when I said, hey, did you win that game in Detroit on Wednesday on the practice field? As some coaches will say, kind of a coaching cliche, right? He's like, no, I mean, obviously that was important and Bobby was super important, but you got to go out and perform. Mm -hmm. This is one where those first two or three innings cannot be against their starters. And they have you know uh, juggled their lineup around, their pitching rotation around. So you're going to see Evaldi, you're going to see Montgomery this weekend with the off day yesterday. This is this is not the kind of game where it's quick innings. This is not the kind of game, you know, and again, it's kind of like you talked about with the base pass. To me, it's the same thing. Like you want that aggressive mindset, but you got to be smart. You know, I want these guys to be aggressive when they get a cookie, right? You you don't want to look at a, I don't want Mike Bowers to say, oh, yeah, I'd yeah, like to have that one back. Yeah. Oh, that was, that was a over the middle of the plate fastball. Like that is as negative as Mike, mistakes. Mike's going to be. You got to hit those mistakes, but then you also have got to grind these starters down. You've got to get to their bullpen. And how nice would it be to start it tonight, right? To 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 just get to that bullpen and mm. get to get the starter out early and just use some of those innings and wear those guys down. That yeah, those early innings and maybe even this very first game on Friday kind of sets the table for the rest of it. I want to see Miller and Wu pitch well in their two starts. That'd be great. I need to see Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert pitch even better. Like the last, the two rooks, gravy. That'd be great. If those two guys can, can do, you know, something and help you and maybe you can win one or two of their starts, that'd be awesome. But I need to see Castillo and Kirby and Gilbert prove that, look, that's the reason people are supposed to be afraid of the Mariners. It's that trio of what those three guys can bring starting, you know, one, two, three in a playoff series. I got to see them deliver in what is now essentially a 10 game series. Mm hmm. So that one's easy. I think everyone will probably agree yeah, on that. I, I do feel, man, I just feel like over the years, I've gotten to know Texas a little bit. Through 15, 16 years on the college football road, I've gotten a, a pretty good beat on what a Texan is in guys from Texas. And just in my short little brief 10-minute chat with, with Bryce down at spring training before any of this happened this season, he was he was certainly a name. He was certainly on the radar. He was certainly a trade target for others. And, uh, yeah, certainly had about a 10-minute conversation with him. I'm like, yep, this dude is straight Texas right here now. And what I know about straight Texans is when they get a chance to go home and perform – and they get a chance to go back to their home state right there, there's just some kind of Texan pride. Yeah. You know, and if I'm wearing the opposite uniform on a college team and I'm going back to, to my home state and playing in front of people, or in this case I'm putting on a uh, you know, the uniform and, and I get to come back to Texas in a packed house. Yeah, there's something about that Texan blood, man, that competitive spirit that I could see him tonight. And we'll see it right away. It, it wouldn't surprise me on that radar gun. <laughs> it may be the same thing. It's the same aggressive versus composed, the, the, the balance that all of these things are going to have to fight. But I wouldn't be surprised to see 97, 98 from him early. I think he's going to have that kind of juice. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, and I'm going to talk to Shannon about it at 8.30 in a little more detail. But, yeah, I think I'm ready to say a proc. I want to see some Mike Ford at first against right-handed pitchers. I, I, I've kind of gone back and forth, and I think there's a very compelling argument not to try something like that out. 
but I think I would I think I would like to see it just based on how badly Ty France has slumped, not just all year, but even more recently. Yes. I, I just I, I think you gotta try to get as many of your hotter bats into the lineup as possible. We asked Jerry DePoto yesterday if that was an issue if that was a possibility. I certainly don't think it's out of the, the realm of possibility. And you know, it's the the beautiful thing is that there's a challenge to it. You know, JK swinging the bat well, Mike Ford has been really good for us this year. And when you have enough appealing players from a single side of the plate that you can line them up and, and one of them is, is left sitting on the bench on a given day, it's kind of a luxury that we've never had. It's more the other way where you're looking for that one guy that you find that might be able to slip in there. So, I mean, he, he's got to be obviously diplomatic. It's not like you're going to hear Jerry DePoto be like, yeah, Ty France has been terrible. So, yeah, we're going to have to do something there. But I, I do just kind of get the sense that it's time. Like these games mean so much and you've given Ty so long to try to get it figured out. Yeah. Kind of out of time, man. Like you got to win these games. So if that means throwing out a different lineup, tough noogies, that's kind of what you got to do. Yeah. You got to be a threat, right? You got to put some pressure in these moments where there is so much pressure Mm -hmm. that you just don't really want to give those opponents in a bat or some spot in the lineup where they can take a little breath. Well, say what you want about Mike Ford. I don't think he's a perfect player, but he hasn't given away at bats this year at all. I mean, and he's, he's a threat really, at any time. He's a threat he can to go run yard. into a home run, which Ty right now just cannot even run into a double. And it leaves you Ty off the bench and certainly against lefties. And yeah, I, I think it's something that I would like to see. What I need to see is Scott use that bench to win matchups late. Right. To use that bench to create some of those great matchups, use Dylan Moore, use Haggerty, use Caballero, use Rojas and and win some of those matchups. Like I want to see J.P. Crawford just continue to be who he's been all year. I need to see Julio become Julio right in the big moments, take over the game and just just carry this team. Does it feel does it feel like and you could just tell me I'm totally wrong on this, but it just feels like Julio's Julio's one of those players that when he's dialed in, it is just crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Like you feel it. And when he's a little ant, he's a little jumpy. Yep. You could just feel that as well. I think you there's know, something I, to that. Yeah, he's the one that just, I don't know if it's his swing, it is, as Jerry said, his his swing speed is so pronounced. It is so tremendous. Hey, by the way, quick aside, why don't we have that measurement? We have velo, we have outfielder velo, we have run to first base, we have exit velo. Why, why why don't we have bat speed? I don't know. They do it in golf, right? We see the swing speed and right. then the ball speed. Like, Wouldn't it be kind of fascinating to see? The bat speed, I'd, I'd kind of like to see just how hard some of them are swinging. And I don't need Julio to swing out of his shoes. I don't need him. But you know, as competitive as he is mm-hmm. and how badly he wants this. And here's the beauty of Julio. Truly, Julio, I, 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 I would bet my savings on this, wants this as badly for the fans as he does for himself. He wants this so bad for this organization, takes so much pride in being a freaking Mariner, so much pride in his fans that he just plays for, you know, and he's the one that I think of all of this balance of of aggression, (laughs) yet smart, he's the one that's just going to have to fight it the most. Because you well, don't have to. Second most, unfortunately, because that's oh, going to bring me to my final my final point. I want to see Jared Kelnick have a huge moment. <laughs> I really do. I want Jared Kelnick to be the guy who puts this team into the playoffs so badly. 
I want him to have the Cal Raleigh moment from a year ago. I think it would be, first of all, just from a story perspective, it'd be too good. It would be an amazing cap on the last couple of years for Jared. And I, I just really want that for him. I think it's going to be hard because he fights it even more than Julio does, Brock. No. But I really want to see Kelnick have a huge moment. No. I don't need it. No. I need to see Teo hit the ball hard and continue to do damage. Yep. And we can talk about how you want to wave a magic wand on 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 Suarez. Or, yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. But Teo, when he started hitting, this offense completely changed. When he became the player that they thought they were getting when they when they traded for him, they became a good offense. Yep. So kind of need Teo to keep being a big part of that in order to allow this team to score some runs, which they're going to have to do against these offenses. Okay, two last little quick ones for me. Uh, one of them is an observation. I think Jared, since he's returned, is fighting Scott with RBF. I think his face, he's fighting it as hard as he's Scott Service does. very hard. His resting face, he's trying well, so hard. And he hard. got totally jobbed on two straight calls the he other did. night, and he's just like, <sighs> you could see him like, I know I'm not allowed, I know I'm not allowed. <laughs> hey, he's doing a good job. Give yes. the kid some credit. Yes. Okay, here's what I want. Of all those wants and needs, uh, I think the, the only one I would add to you is I want traffic, I want pressure on these guys, I want pressure on that rotation, I want pressure on that bullpen, I want pressure, I want I want traffic on the bases, but what I need is runners in scoring position. When you got swept by the Dodgers, it was 4 for 33 with runners in scoring position. Mm-hmm. That's not that's, that's not, not a boutique stat, that's not any fancy stat, there's no rhyme or reason at times. I know all of that. But those teams that tend to hit with runners in scoring position, certainly this other team you're facing has, has just made a killing of it against you. So if you win the battle of runners in scoring position, you win this series. Yeah, that's probably hey, true. Brock, really quick, I did look this up since you were asking, why is that not a stat we have? Uh, according to MLB.com, there was some information on this last year. It's because depending on the part of the bat, it's a different speed. Mm. So oh. the end of the bat versus the sweet spot and so on. But 2022's fastest average bat swing speed went to... Julio? Julio. Ah, there you go. 96.2. Wow. 96.2. Giancarlo's average was 92, by the way. Whose was? Giancarlo Stan. Wow. That's, oh, I mean, really, That's really a bad back. That's what's happened to my back. That's right. what happened to my golf swing. Time for a little Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewart breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, three good football questions. It's so weird having Brock start at 6 a.m. It makes it feel like it's already 8.45, but it's not. We still have like two-plus hours left in this show. Brock, question number one, the Red Rifle going to be out there. We're going to see Andy Dalton. Does that change the prep? Does that change the plan for the Seahawks against Carolina this weekend? It does for me. I'm very curious how Clint Hurt answered this question when he was asked yesterday. Let me hear the defensive coordinator. No, because I think like I think they stay tra- true to who they are. Um, that that's shown when Frank Reich was. Uh, I went back and watched film when he was in Indianapolis a few years ago. We went to Indiana and played them in the first game of the year in other places that he's been. And obviously, you know, so system wise, you see what he likes to call and the routes and the run game and things like that. You kind of get a feel for all of it. And it's been pretty consistent. Um, I think he stays true. He stays true to who he is. But with the quarterback, you're dealing with a, a more experienced veteran guy. If it ends up being uh, Dalton. And uh, obviously, he knows where to go with the ball pretty quickly. So he's got to be aware of that and be ready to respond. Yeah, Frank Reich has a system. I think it will probably actually be a little deeper with Andy Dalton. I think he can handle more volume. So it is going to be different. You're going to get more volume. You're going to see more things than Bryce Young would have done. 
the counter to that is Bryce Young, when healthy, is pretty darn athletic and extends plays and gets out of the pocket and can run a little bit. Andy Dalton is not looking to do that. Andy Dalton's looking to do what he's done against the Seahawks when he was with the Bengals and when he was with the Saints and when he's been elsewhere and now with the third different team against you, and, and that is to get the ball out of his hand, like Clint Hurt said. He doesn't know. He doesn't want to be hit. He's not going to be scrambling around. So to me, you've got an opportunity to heat it up. But when you heat it up, you better cover it up underneath. Because if you heat it up and he sees it's coming and and you're not tight underneath and you're not playing maybe some man or, you know, what I don't want to see. Oh, man, you want to talk about wants and needs? You know what I need to not ever see again is them dropping people like they did week number one into zones they can't cover. That is not a strength of this crew. So I'd love to see, and I don't think we're going to see Tyreek. He's been out a couple days. Sure seems, and what I'm reading between the lines, he's not going to be there. But I would love to see Trey. I'd love to see Devin be feisty. I'd love to see them get up into people. If you're going to bring some pressure, don't give quick gimmies. Don't give quick outlets. Get to Andy Dalton and force him into some mistakes. Mm. All right, question number two. Is this the one you teased earlier, Brock, like two and a half hours ago? What is it that as you're watching the NFL throughout these first couple of weeks, what's jumped out most? This isn't just because 11 starters are out on the Seahawks injury report. This really goes back to the Seahawks Super Bowl that they lost, and everybody points to a third down call in and, and the past, and that is certainly front and center of it. I would contend that if they don't lose Cliff Averill and Jeremy Lane, uh, whatever it was, if they don't yes, second down call. If they don't lose Cliff Averill and Jeremy Lane, they win that game, and they may win it by two touchdowns. I am very concerned about the sustainability of the in, within the injuries of this league. I'm very concerned that this is just going to all come down to attrition, that you just lose player after player after player. Yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys in a Thursday practice lose one of the best corners in the league for the entire year with an ACL. I don't think it is field turf. I, I, I don't I don't think it's cleats. I don't think it's just the bigger, faster, stronger athletes. What do you think it is? I think it has. I, I just don't remember injuries of this nature in about an hour i'm gonna go sit in with kyle whittingham the head coach of utah and he said right now i'm going through an unprecedented storm of injuries that i've never seen bigger stronger faster really i've never seen in 40 years i think that that is a huge component of it in in fact it'd probably be one a that's what i think it is it's bigger faster stronger and it just can't sustain but i think number one in that is you just don't callous. You just don't right. hit. Yep. You just don't tackle. And and there's Isn't that what a- Passon told us about the whole arm thing. Remember we asked him about this and he said that there is a natural inclination. I, w- I don't know if I have the cut and I'll just paraphrase him. There's a natural inclination when we get hurt to want to do that thing less Correct. to avoid getting hurt, but that Correct. often the best thing to do is to do more yes. to try to strengthen it. Yes. I think of, in particular, it's kind of a weird one and totally outside the box, but I think of like the Stanford offensive lines, the intellectual brutality. And they had NFL dudes, Andrus Pete and David DeCastro. They had lots of NFL dudes so who were mighty, mighty big men. And, you know, talking to David Shaw over the years with him and to watch the decay of Stanford's program, I don't think it's uh, a far reach to say, yeah. We couldn't do and we can't do what we used to do when we calloused and we trained and we built them up physically, you know, and, and pounded on each other to get them ready over the course of a season. 
And, you know, you strip that away and there's no two-a-days. And you strip it away and there's no hitting. And you strip it away and there's no pads. And, and you do that. I get it. Because you health and safety does matter. The concussions are real. That these injuries are real. I don't know, man. It, it's the older I get and I'm just looking at this NFL product in particular and the college game. Such an old man take. So many injuries that there has got to be. We've got to figure this out. Because it's just, yeah. All right. You, you want to see the best do it. I want to see the best do it. I, I want to, as Chip Kelly said, he was great with us yesterday. You know what? I want more. I want more play. They say health and safety and this and that. I want more plays. Why do I want less plays? When I, when I go to a Taylor Swift concert, do I want less songs? No, I want more songs. I want more plays. I want more of the best people out there to watch. Yeah. And I just have some concern about the sustainability. All right. All. Question number three. Oh, man, look at yeah. my I'm getting old. Yeah, no kidding. I, I just heard it live on the radio. I gotta get. I'm gonna have to get glasses in the next couple of years. Glasses. You sound like at the moment you might need to take a lozenge or two. Question number it. three, Brock. <laughs> Are the Niners the best team in the league? Yes. They kind of look like it. Yes. Is is Brock Purdy that good? He looks really good. How does Brock Purdy, the last pick in the draft, based on what we've seen so far in his career? Because if you put Brock Purdy on a lot of other teams, he doesn't function like that. Really? Not even close. Kind no. of looks good. Well, he's amazing on little flat routes and nakeds and in cuts and just how many how many times have you seen Brock Purdy throw a twenty yard comeback? How many times have you seen him throw a twenty yard in? How many times have you seen him throw a deep post? How many times they don't do it? They don't do it, but they have a tight end. They have a running back. They have a couple receivers. They have a, a slot receiver. They have all all this weaponry that they can play the game where he is just a point guard facilitating. How many times do you see John Stockton dunk a basketball? How many times do you see John Stockton just train threes after threes? Nope. I'm going to run the pick and roll, and I'm going to run it better than anybody else, and I'm going to facilitate unlike anybody else. And Purdy's got all of those tools. Throw in the defensive guys. I couldn't help but watch that game. It was a big sports bar last night on big screen and thinking Pete Carroll's words. They just have dudes different than everybody else. Bosa's just different. Armstead's just different. McCaffrey's just different. Debo's just different. Trent Williams' just different, right? I mean, they're just different dudes than everybody else. And because of it, they aren't just winning, man. They are destroying teams in this first month of the season. All right, that is today's Blue 88. We do that every morning at 745. Yeah, they're good. I'm my only concern with with Purdy is that he's the next Tom Brady. And just, you know, th- those are all the things people said about Brady right off the bat. Well, he's not throwing this and he can't throw that. All he can do is throw short and he's accurate throwing short and occasional deep ball. I don't know, man. There's something yeah. about that late round pick, and I don't know, it just makes me nervous. Brady, yeah. I, I People said the same things about Brady. They, he managed games early, yes, yes, but he could throw the ball. Okay. He could throw the you ball 75 per, yards. Purdy threw for 300 plus yards yesterday. I understand that. Go look at his throwing chart. All right. How many times. Yes. All right. Yeah. I believe yeah. you. I'm sure you're right. Yeah. You know, you look at the boutique stats, and that's yeah. what they'll tell you here in a Football Friday, Thanks. powered by this Nakwami <laughs> Casino Sportsbook, but. Pardon me, I'm I'm boutique. still huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. The boutiques. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say it wrong just because Brock did. I don't need to get that into my head. All right, Shannon Dreyer is going to join us coming up here in a half hour. Um, Brock, it is the one big debate left for this Mariner team in the last ten days. It might be the only one. It's next on Brock and Salk Sales Sports on seven ten and SeattleSports.com, the exclusive home of the Mariners playoff chase.